Yes. Okay. Um, Parshas Bahaloischa. This week's Torah portion Bahaloischa is actually the second time around Bahaloischa, but now we should know it cold because we had right, one Shabbos uh, Moshuas. And it's actually only Baloscha here in Israel. They're already on Shlach, but we'll stick for Baloscha for now. Pasuk says in this week's parsha we had the mitzvah of bringing the carbon pesach the second time. Right? We know the first carbon pesach was bought in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, on the night of Yisias Mitzrayim. They brought the carbon pesach, and that was in Parshas Bo in Chumash Shemos. And then a year later in the desert, Hashem says, "I want you to bring the carbon pesach again." And that's this week where we have the second time around, the second time that we're told the mitzvah of bringing the carbon pesach. Pasik says, Parakas, Pasik Aleph through Gimel, tap, tap two lines here. Vaidaber Hashem el Moshe bemidbar seini, Bashano Hashenis, let's say Samaris Mitzrayim, this is already the second year. Bachodesh Arishon, it's the first month. And Hashem says, the Jewish people should make the carbon Pesach in its proper time. The 14th day of the month, in the evening, Tasu also make it in the proper time. According to all its laws and statutes, do the carbon Pesach as you did one year ago. Of course, there's going to be a well, I'm sorry, there's going to be a basic difference between last year and this year. Last year was in everyone's private homes. Well, last year there was no Mishkan. Last year it was still in Mitzrayim, it was in Goshen, and everyone made their own carbon Pesach in their home. Now, amid, there's a Mishkan. This is the very beginning. It's a fledgling Mishkan, but it's operational. So now the carbon Pesach is going to be made in the Mishkan. Yes? So there was no issue of everybody has to be pure on, on first? Yeah, there was. They had to be pure, sure. Yeah, but, but in Mitzrayim... No, no, in Mitzrayim there wasn't. Right. You're right. Excellent question. In Mitzrayim, it was, it, although it was a carbon Pesach, it was a very different type of carbon Pesach. As I said, there was no Mishkan yet, so there was no central place. Everyone bought the sacrifice in their home, and you're right, there there was no purification, and there was no red heifer, or not, any of that. It was, it was before the giving of Torah, even, right? In Mitzrayim, it's before the giving of Torah, so the regular commandments don't apply. This is two years after they left? One year. One year. One year, One year minus a couple days. Right, again, they, they left Egypt on the first day of Pesach, by the Garden Pesach. This is as we're approaching Pesach for the second year around. It's, it's the one year um, first anniversary of leaving Mitzrayim. Okay? I bet, so, they, I bet they, they celebrate two days in Mitzrayim. <laughs> in Mitzrayim, they only celebrated that night, and then they were out, right? Okay. Says Rashi something very interesting. This was said and the beginning of the month of Nisan, right? Obviously, it's the month of Nisan where, where Karim Pesach is brought. Now he says, Parsha Shebarosha Sefer Lo Nemra Ad Ir. The Parsha in the beginning of Chumash Bamidbar wasn't said until the second month, the month of Ir. Right? The, the Chumash Bamidbar opens up with the counting of the Jewish people. That was in the month of Ir, which is a month later. Right? So we're, we started Chumash Bamidbar, then it was Nasa, now we're Baloscha, we're three Parshias in, and now we go back a month. Right? Says Rashi, Lamadita. From here we learn, She'ein Seder Mukdam Umu'ukhar B'Torah. This is a rule in the Torah that the Torah is not necessarily in chronological order. It's a cloud. And this is one of the places for that cloud. That the opening of, of uh, Chumash Bamidbar is in the month of Ir. Three parshas later, we go back a month and we're in the month of Nisan. The question though is, okay, fine. Torah doesn't have to be in chronological order, but it doesn't have to be out of order either. There's got to be a reason why it's out of order. So Rashi says, But why didn't it start in the right order? Why didn't the Chumash begin with the Parsha of Karban Pesach? Because in this Parsha, there's a Genus. How do you say Genus? Um, uh, some, level, some level of embarrassment. 
There's some level of, there's some negative connotation, some embarrassment for the Jewish people. Why? Because the Jewish people are going to be now 40 years in the desert. This is the only carbon Pesach they're going to bring in the desert. The next carbon Pesach is not going to be brought until they come into Israel 40 years later or 39 years later. So therefore, the, the concept of that one carbon Pesach that was brought the first year represents a certain genus, a certain embarrassment to the Jewish people. Hashem is very careful with the embarrassment of the Jewish people. He doesn't, and what, doesn't want to open up a chumash with that. So therefore, and therefore, the opener Chumash Bamidbar is with counting. Counting actually shows the love of Hashem for Jewish people, as Rashi says, Mitochibasan, because he loves them, he counts them all the time. So he wanted to open up the Chumash with something that's complimentary for us, not something that's embarrassing. Yes? Why didn't they? Ah, million dollar question. So why didn't they? Taka make it for 40 years. And remember, Moshe Rabbeinu was there with them, and Aaron Akon was there with them. Why didn't they make the Garden Pesach for 40 years? So it's interesting that in Gemara, and that's exactly where we're headed here, in the Gemara there's actually two opinions. There's one opinion that the reason they didn't make it is because they weren't allowed to. Because there's a mitzvah by Karim Pesach, you're not allowed to bring a Karim Pesach if you're not cir- circumcised or if your children are not circumcised. Uh-huh. It's brought down that throughout all the years in the Midbar they didn't circumcise Why themselves. not? Uh, that's another question, but one minute. On the night before they brought the first carbon Pesach, all the Jewish people circumcised themselves. Right? When we say in Haggadah, we say that on that night Hashem saw the blood of the carbon Pesach and the blood of Mila. But for 40 years then they didn't. And in the beginning of Yehoshua, again we have the mass circumcision of all the Jews of the desert. So for 40 years they weren't circumcised. And therefore, they couldn't bring her best. They weren't all. It was just the kids that were born. In that good point. Good point. But any person who had a child who wasn't circumcised couldn't bring either. Also, the father couldn't. Why not? Because it's your responsibility to circumcise your children. If you don't, then the problem is yours as much as it is theirs. If you're an oral? Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to bring her best. So that's one reason in the Gemara. But there's another reason. And we're going to see something interesting. The other reason is that the mitzvah of Karim Pesach was initially given for Israel. Many of the mitzvahs did not become applicable until they come into the land of Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, for 40 years, they didn't have a mitzvah. That first year was an exception, and Hashem said, I want you as a harass, sure, I want you just for, t- for this year to make a garden Pesach, but for the subsequent 39 years, there was no chiv. What's interesting is that Rashi in Chumash follows this second interpretation. That the reason why they didn't bring a carbon Pesach for the subsequent 39 years is because the mitzvah was when they come into the land of Israel. How do I know that? Because it says so in the next paragraph. Like, let's look in Parshas Bo, Perik Yud Beis Pasuk Chofei. When Hashem gave us the initial mitzvah of carbon Pesach, it says, when you will come to the land, that Hashem will give you as He spoke, you shall guard this avoda. Says Rashi, that the Torah made this mitzvah of Karim Pesach dependent on their entering into the land. They were only obligated to bring one Karim Pesach in the desert. Because Hashem told them that second year, I want you to make a carbon Pesach. But for the subsequent 38 years, they did not carry the chiv. That's what Rashi says. Which raises a question. And this is the question that, I wanna, that I'm leading to and I'm waiting for someone to say. But if you, if you don't, I'll say it. And that is, if 
the mitzvah was to do carbon Pesach in Eretz Yisrael. And that one, then why is it a genus? Right? That one year that Hashem yeah. said, do it in the midbar of the first year, that was the exception to the rule. Because Rashi himself said in Parshas Bo that the mitzvah, the mitzvah was only for them. If well, so, there was a reason why it was only then. Maybe it was Ganu why they could wait then and not do it earlier. Right. But the fact is, the Rashi says, right when Hashem gave the initial mitzvah of Karim Pesach, Tola Hakasov Mitzvah Zubibi Oris. Hashem made this mitzvah dependent on coming into the land of Israel. If Hashem made it dependent on coming into the land of Israel, then there's no problem that they didn't do it for the next well, 39 years. Well, the Gnus was something else. So what's the Gnus? I don't know. Gnus is that but, you caused yourself not to be Ah, actually, very well. So, so what here, did Jeff say? Yeah, I'll tell you in a minute. I just want to build this for, for everyone here in orderly. So the question now is, being that Rashi follows the opinion, that the mitzvah was to do the carbon Pesach in Israel, so then it would seem that the fact that they didn't do it all the years in the desert is not, is not an embarrassment. They didn't, weren't doing anything wrong. So why does Rashi say it's a gnus? So just suggest that as many Sfarim say, true that those 39 years they didn't have to do it because they were in the desert, but it was their fault they were in the desert. <laughs> because oh, oh, oh. because you weren't supposed to be in the desert 39 years. That was your flu, right? So it turns out it was an embarrassment that they didn't do carbon Pesach for 39 years because it was their fault they didn't do it 39 years because if they would have not sinned, they would have went in right away. They would do carbon Pesach every year, which is definitely an answer brought in Sforim, but it's an answer that perhaps is not fully satisfactory. And that is because, if so, the embarrassment has nothing to do with carbon Pesach. It has to do with any mitzvah that they didn't do all the years that they were in the desert. Right? They also didn't do Shemitah and Yovel and Trumas and Maisris. There's many mitzvahs that they couldn't do for 39 years because of the sin. Yeah. So it's still, question, the question is, why is it specifically a gnus that they didn't do carbon Pesach? There's no, again, there's no here to do carbon Pesach in the Midbar. So true, Jeff said a good point, and again, Mepharshim say this point, that, well, but they shouldn't have been there, but that still is not a carbon Pesach gnus. That's a general embarrassment that you guys were 39 years in a desert and were therefore exempt from many mitzvahs of the land of Israel. It would seem from Rashi that there's a gnus in the fact that they didn't bring carbon Pesach for 39 years. And therefore the question stands, why is it a gnus? Why is it an embarrassment that they didn't bring carbon Pesach for 39 years if the mitzvah of carbon Pesach itself demands the land of Israel and as long as you're not there, you're not chayef. So what is what could be an explanation for that? So I want to share a very fascinating answer. It's a good answer. Yeah, I think so too. So a very beautiful answer given to this question is the following, and it's a powerful one. There's something about carbon pesach that the Jews saw, which is what happens in this week's parsha. Hashem says, "Okay, I want you people to bring a carbon pesach." Then what happens? Famously, this week's parsha, there are people who are impure in the country of Moshe Rabbeinu, and they say, Why are we, we, got, we want to do the mitzvah. And they cried, they didn't know what the answer would be, but they came to Moshe Rabbeinu with a genuine desire to fulfill a mitzvah. No, they didn't have to do the mitzvah. So Pesach Shein is the first year? Yeah, yeah, first year. In other words, the second year, the first year of the desert. Oh, it was a Pesach Shein in the desert. Right, right, the, the first Pesach, of the desert. The only Pesach. The only Pesach. The only Pesach. The only Pesach. So that, Anashim there, Tmei Amenef Shadam Kovim Tamash What does Hashem respond? What does Moshe say? I don't know. <laughs> you know, let me ask Hashem. Famously, that's the, that's the, was unique was the about the Nebuah of Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm sorry? The late one? The Loma Negoro. That was a, that was a Pesach or Pesach you're talking about? Yes. Not, not, they didn't do a second one, then Loma Negoro. It wasn't the third. No, no. Okay. So, 
Moshe Rabbeinu asks Hashem, and Hashem says, you know what? They're right. Let's give them another option. And make a new concept, Pesach Sheni, a month later, they have the ability to bring a certain curve Pesach. Now, Klal Yisrael saw that if, if a mitzvah is meaningful enough to you, then if you're exempt, you can't do it, what do you do? Go to Moshe Rabbeinu. Ask. Beg. If something is precious to you, then even if I'm exempt, you know, all those people who were Tomei, Lenefesh Adam, were exempt. They were, they were exempt. They were Tomei. Yet, they cared enough about it. It meant enough to them that they come to Moshe Rabbeinu and say, we want to do the mitzvah. We know we're exempt, but please. And Hashem says, you know, if they want so much, give it to them. So here comes the kasha. So why didn't all of Klai Yisrael come next year and say, we know we're exempt. Let, can we have another opportunity to do Karim Pesach? Oh. That's the gnos. In other words, they saw themselves that when it comes to Karim Pesach, if we ask, Hashem listens. You know, Karim Pesach is a very central carbon. It's the carbon of our birth as a nation. So Klai Yisrael wanted it, and Hashem said, okay, you're exempt. I'll give it to you anyway. How is it that for the next 38 years, Jews didn't have carbon Pesach, and they said, well, okay, listen, we're exempt. They should have asked. They should have demanded. Not everybody asked, though. It was only the people that did HaRachayka. Well, obviously, the first year, only the, only the people who couldn't do it asked. Do it. But the next year, nobody could do it. So everybody should have come to Moshe Rabbeinu and asked. In other words, the lesson, the message is, if something is precious to you, and you don't have the ability to do it, you dive into Hashem, you come to Moshe Rabbeinu, and you say, could I, could I please have it? And it's important to understand another thing. See, a lot of the mitzvahs of, of Israel, you couldn't do in the midbar. Right? There's many mitzvahs that are mitzvahs yeah. hatluyas ba'aretz. Yeah. It's not as if we could ask, please, let's bring trumas and maestros in, in, in the midbar. Please, let's have shemitah, because a mitzvah is connected with the ground. But Karim Pesach isn't. Karim Pesach is a karma. A carbon they brought in the Mishkan. It's just that there was no heave in the midbar. So here again, being that they themselves saw the power of demanding from Hashem, of begging Hashem, and that when one begs Hashem for a mitzvah, because the mitzvah is meaningful enough for them, so even when they're exempt, they still ask, so then it becomes Genusa and Shal Yisrael. If you see this works, why didn't you come next year and ask again? And that's the Genusa and Shal Yisrael. And Dafke in Karban Pesach, where they saw it worked, where they saw it actually happen. And that is Genusa and Shal Yisrael. And over here, obviously, we have such a, a powerful um, message of how we treat something that we're exempt from. You know, when a person is exempt from something, then one, one, one option is, or one attitude is, well, I don't have to do it. I'm potter. The other attitude is, I don't want to be potter. I want to have a way to do the mitzvah. A mitzvah, a mitzvah is a precious gift from Hashem. What do you mean I'm potter? I don't want to be potter. I want the mitzvah. And we go and we ask. And that was the time. And that this, was the what? And that was the time. That's the gnus. That's the gnus of Klal Yisrael. And this becomes, this becomes a, special, a, a special message. And it comes... Today, guess what? We don't have the ability to do carbon Pesach either. Not just carbon Pesach, we don't have the ability to do any of the Karbonas. So what are we supposed to do? That's why we dive into Hashem to bring us back a Desa Mikdash. And to bring us back and bring us the Gula Shlema. One of the reasons, halachically, why, why is it so important to want Mashiach so much? The Rambam says that a person who doesn't believe in Mashiach or doesn't await his coming is called a Kofir. Why is it so important to want Mashiach? I mean, I'm good. I'm, I do the Torah Mitzvahs. I do what I can do and I'm good. The answer is Mashiach. Because hundreds of mitzvahs we can't do. Hundreds. Out of the 613 mitzvahs, out of the 248 positive commandments, the majority of the positive commandments are not applicable in Golas. So a person who Torah mitzvahs is precious to him, asks Hashem every day, I just want to fulfill your Torah. 
you know, forget about it. I want Mashiach because I want to be healthy and I want to have Parnassah and I want all the other wonderful things. But push it from, from a Terry Mitzvah's perspective, we're, we're not able to do so many. So, of course, someone says, but, but we're, we're Potter. That's the message over here. Of course, we're Potter. But if, I, if something is precious to me, Potter doesn't make it okay. I'm still looking for it. And that was the Taina of the Eden of Lama Nigara. And that's why we have the, I have it over here, I think somewhere. Um, yeah, the, uh, on the last paragraph before the dot. This is the message to us of, of asking Hashem for the Geula. And, and ask like those people. And here we have a beautiful idea from the Chida. The Chida is Chaim Yosef David Azulai, one of the great tzaddikim who lived somewhat 300 years ago, maybe 350. And the Chida writes a very beautiful thing in our davening, in our daily davening, which is we say in davening, an interesting quote. We say, right? Hashem should give us David Hamalach Mashiach. And we say, Raise his horn in salvation. Because for your salvation we wait every day. What kind of a reason is that? Bring Mashiach because we're waiting for him. I say bring Mashiach because we're doing, I don't know, because we are deserving, because we do mitzvahs, because we're in Torah, because we gave tzedakah. What does it mean? Bring him because we're waiting. Says the Chidah, no, we mean exactly what we're saying. He says this chus of the waiting itself makes us worthy of his coming. He says, because waiting shows that it's precious to us. That's the idea of the Lama Nigara. When, when a person, when something is precious to, some, to someone, then they wait, then they ask again, then they ask again. Um, if, if we don't know how this works, if you have children, grandchildren, and, and there's something that they want, you know exactly what this is like, right? Like, Sunday I want, Monday I want, Tuesday I want, Wednesday I want, and then an hour ago I want it, I want again. Because if it's important to me, Everything else looks different. A lot of the tzaddikim said we should learn how to ask from Hashem like the way a child asks for a piece of candy or whatever it is, right? Because it's, it, it's meaningful, because they want it. And that's what the Chidah says, that's what we're saying in Davening, that the schus of the waiting itself, Kedayu Rishus Hakivu, he calls it, the schus of waiting, that, that for, for that we should be zoicha to the actual gula of Bezrus Hashem. Okay, so that's one idea. Where are we time-wise here? Okay, let's hop around, let's hop around another idea here after the that. And this the last idea is a very, very precious idea to me, and I'll tell you exactly where I heard it, because I, I usually give it over every year this week. I heard it from Rabbi Shusterman, Allah Shalom. Anybody here oh. knew Rabbi Herschel Shusterman? The Rav of B'nai Ruven, tremendous, tremendous chassid, wonderful person. I had the chus of knowing him the last, uh, my first few years here was his last few years here, and um, his last Russia. I'm sorry? And he was asking me Thank you. <laughs> Makes it so much more interesting. Um, so this Rabbi Shusterman, his last Russia before he retired. He retired like uh, maybe a, a year or two before he passed away. He retired officially. He stayed in Bnei Ruven as Rabbi Emeritus. Uh, Rabbi Hirsch took over. But I remember the last Russia was on Pasha's Baloska. And I was in Adamni Shiva Shabbos, but I came special because it was Rabbi Shusterman's last Russia. And I want to give over the point that he said by his Russia, because I love the point, and I've said it over so many times since then, it's on this week's Parsha. He said, if you look at this week's Parsha, he had a full and he went through the Parsha, and he said, right in the middle of the Parsha, there's the, there's the whole section about how the Jews traveled. The way the, the, the cloud went up and cloud went down, and Al-Pi Hashem Yachan, Al-Pi Hashem Yisro, we traveled by the word of Hashem. <laughs> Double moons. Right, exactly. And he says, really, in the chronological order of the Torah, it doesn't belong there. Like, why now? I mean, they've been traveling for a year already. <laughs> Why Dafkin now is there the Parsha muscles? Yeah. And again, in his beautiful way, he built the question, which I'm not going to be able to do in the five minutes at our disposal now. But he said, he said, he, he wanted, he said, I want to share the following thought. 
He says, if you look at this week's parsha, it's a parsha that's full of complaints. People don't stop complaining from the beginning to the end of this parsha, from the top to the bottom. Everyone's complaining. And he went through it. He said, the parsha begins with the story of the menorah. Rashi says, why does the story begin with the story of the menorah? Because Aaron was upset or felt bad that he missed out on the, on the Chanukah Samishkan of the Nesim. So the, the, so the menorah was like an appeasement for Aaron. Okay, we move on. Pesach Sheni. People are complaining. We're impure. We can't bring the carbon Pesach. Right? Yeah. Later in the parsha, you have the misoninim. The misoninim, they're saying, oh, Hashem made us travel in the desert. It's so difficult. And they're complaining about the difficult travels. Two seconds later, we have the Asaf Suf that are the Misavim, they have Taiva. We want meat. What is this business with Mon? Where's the meat, right? We need the real deal. So they're complaining. Right. A little bit later, Moshe Rabbeinu has had it. He says, Hashem, Lama Hari Osa, why did you make me such, why did you give me such a nation? I can't handle these people. Did I give birth to them? Did I carry them like a mother who carries her infant? So now Moshe Rabbeinu is complaining. You move on. Yeshua is complaining about Eldad and Medad. That these two guys are saying, Nevuah, Moshe, you got to put them to death. They're wounding us, right? You move on. Miriam and Aaron are complaining on Moshe Rabbi. That why is it that he separated from his wife, Zipporah? He says, there's no Parsha in the Torah. I'll never forget how he says. It's remarkable. He says, there's no Parsha in the Torah. That you can't go by ten psukim without somebody is complaining about something. So he says, he says, that's why Hashem put right in the middle of the Parsha, the Parsha of the travels. And he says, to understand it, he says, I want to tell you about mice. The Parsha of what? Of, the, of how the Jews traveled. Oh. He said, one time, a chassid went into a rebbe. And he was telling his service and his difficulties, and this is no good, and he has service on this side and that side. And his mama was, you know, thing after thing. In the middle, the rebbe interrupted him and says, can you do me a favor, can you get me a cup of water? Sure. Brings me a cup of water, the rebbe makes the bracha, drinks the water. And the chassid waits till the rebbe finishes. Then he, then he continues. And this is wrong. The rebbe said, I, I thought I answered your question. He said, Rebbe, you answered my question. You drank a cup of water. He says, but what did I say before I drank the cup of water? Well, the bracha. Well, what did the bracha say? I thought you were listening. That remember that whatever happens is exactly because Hashem wanted that to happen. I thought I answered your question. In other words, this sorrow and that sorrow, when we stop for a moment to remember, yes, of course, there's difficulties, it's painful, but nothing happens on its own. Everything is that was the answer. Said Rabbi Shusterman, all of Hashem, he says, so right in the middle of the parsha of complaints, Hashem puts this parsha of travels and says there three times, Alpi Hashem Yachanu, Alpi Hashem Yiso. Every step of life is Alpi Hashem. Sometimes we have to travel, sometimes we stay in one place, sometimes we'd rather be moving and we're stationary, sometimes we want to be stationary and we're moving. Alpi Hashem Yachanu, Alpi Hashem Yiso. Then it says the other way, Alpi Hashem Yiso, Alpi Hashem Yachanu. Hashem put that right in the middle of this parsha to answer all complaints. Just like that Rebbe said, Sha'akon Bidvari, when we remember that every step and every movement and every moment of life and all those difficulties, and they are difficult, and Hashem should help everyone out of their difficulties, but when we reflect and remember, put it in context, nothing happened on its own, nothing happened by mistake. Everything is there from Hashem, who is a loving Father, and we ask Him that the love should be in a revealed way that we should feel it, but to remember exactly where it comes from, and ultimately there's nothing to complain about. And that's how we do it. Rabbi,